Dean, welcome back. Gordy's going to just share a few minutes before Nathan speaks. Very dangerous to have me share before somebody else is preaching, but I'll be a good boy. Just, wanna, just wanted to say hi in person, and um, so good to be home. It's been a fantastic uh, five weeks for us. Um, I just wanted, you, I wanted to thank you all for your prayers. Uh, the last uh, five weeks have been the source kind of prior to that time of the greatest anxiety that I've had for uh, probably two years. I've been just so worried about the last five weeks. And uh, it has to do with a huge reno that was being done in our home, thanks to our neighbors who wanted to add a floor. And it meant us moving all our stuff out before we left on holidays and then moving it all back in when we got back. And I just want to say that I can't believe how well everything is gone. Uh, our time in Switzerland and Crete was unbelievable. Our, it was much more social and activist vacation than I normally would plan for. But I think the Holy Spirit was really into it. I really had my brain stretched and challenged in so many ways, which I think you're going to be hearing come out in the next six months or more. Um, and we were hosted by Leonie and her family and Marcus's family and just, just everything just fell together so unbelievable. But I had nightmares while I was in Europe about our house. I won't even tell you some of the nightmares I had. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, it just couldn't, I couldn't believe the, the guys that uh, were doing the construction. They worked all weekend, the, the weekend we came back to make sure the house was ready. You know, and there's plugs and a few things that need to be done, but the major work has been done. Now, the front of the house looks like a bomb went off. Uh, the top of the roof is off. And, but, but these guys are amazing. They start at 8.30 and they quit at 4.30 and they don't work Saturday and Sunday. So it just is so amazingly peaceful. And the last thing I want to say is how incredibly well it's gone here at the church. And I just want to say thank you to you. And thank you to these guys, to, to Kirsten and Dan, Joanna and Wade. Steve and Karen, Mark and Lynn, they not only covered while I was away and lifted my anxiety about that, but they did way beyond the call of duty. There's been stuff going on, man. They just, like I said, there go my people. I better catch them for I'm their leader. That's kind of how it feels. It's great. So thank you, thank you, thank you. It's so good to be home. Love you. So Nathan, you want to come and I'll pray with you for you. Bless you. Yes, we have our newest member of the church here, Shar. You want to introduce, or I can introduce, Kyson. Little Kyson, woohoo. Kyson decided to come more than three months early during church camp in May. And so he's been in the neonatal unit since then and he's just been released because he's feeding so well so let's just pray a blessing a feeding blessing i think too hey over kyson that he'll continue to just feed well and grow lord we lift up this little one to you and to shar we lift up shar his mama and uh, we pray your peace over them 
We pray uh, freedom from protection from illness. We pray that this little one will feed like he needs to to stay out of the hospital, that he'll grow healthy and strong. We pray for your hand of blessing to be on Gordy and Shannon's home, that your peace will be there. And Lord, you just protect them from any attack of the enemy, any illness, that you would provide for all their needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yes, all of those things. So much going on, exciting. Um, Nathan, let me bless you, and then you'll bless us. Hey, what a deal. <laughs> it's a given when you speak. <laughs> Lord, thank you so much for Nathan, for his uh, love for, our, for your church for us, for his willingness to take time out of the summer to prepare a message to share with us. We bless him, and we pray that our hearts would be open to hear your word to us this morning. Amen. Check, 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 west side, east side, north side, south side. Oh, uh, east side. Oh, maybe we should stick back to the, the north side here. Yeah. Am I good? Good? Keep talking? Good? Fine. I'm on. Wired up this morning. Um, probably could use another cup of coffee, but that's okay. That's all right. Um, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, my name's Nathan. As mentioned, I'm going to be talking about faith today. Sustainable faith. We're going to be looking at a passage in Hebrews, uh, chapter 11, and a bit into chapter 12. Hebrews 11 is uh, the faith chapter. There's a lot of examples of people that did things by faith. Um, but before we get into that, I want to talk about how we use faith in our society, how we might use the expression faith. We might say, I have faith in something. We might say, I faithfully attend church. It's good. I'm a faithful fan of X team. I have faith that we're going to make it to the gas station before the car runs out of gas. Um, some other expressions, we might take something on faith to accept something without further investigation or verifying it uh, based on trust, such as you're right to be wary, but in this case, I think we can take John's statement on faith. He has no reason to lie to us. We might say we act in good faith, to act with good intentions. Um, I may have mishandled your accounts, but I'm sorry, it was a simple mistake. I was acting in good faith. We can keep the faith, uh, which is generally a statement of encouragement or solidarity such as the Canucks will win the Stanley Cup. I'm keeping the faith that this year, <laughs> says, the man <laughs> says the man with an Oilers jersey on. <laughs> but uh, we can say that, yeah, sure. We can restore, our faith can be restored. We can have our faith restored in something. To believe again, such as the success of a certain product, has restored investors' faith in the company. We also... Talk about leaps of faith. 
acceptance of or a willingness to do something based largely or entirely on one's faith. That is correct, that this is correct, this will work despite having little or no evidence or insurance thereof. Um, an example of that might be, I feel a bit wary that people seem so eager to make a leap of faith about these new driverless cars. I don't know if you've heard of this thing, that these will be safe on the streets. Or a, a leap of faith could be maybe something like this. Let's give it a second here. Okay, that's okay. There was a video of somebody jumping from an 85-foot cliff into the water below. Now, we're not going to talk about that exactly, how to do that today. I don't know if anybody's done that today at all, jumped from a high cliff. I would never do that. That's me and heights do not mix at all. But when we talk about faith in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 talks, uh, sets the definition of faith for the book. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So again, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And as I mentioned, they have a, have a whole section in Hebrews 11 that talks about faith, listing multiple examples of people who did things by faith. We're going to take a look at a few examples today, try to discern some clues about how faith can be sustained. Now, uh, some disclosure, I've wrestled with this a lot. It's a complex passage. I haven't got it all figured out. Um, so I'm going to offer up what I've kind of uh, thought and discerned today uh, to you, uh, but please take it away and do some further study on it. Um, so as we look at Hebrews, uh, let's look at a little bit of the background. Let's get a bit of the context. It's interesting, this document uh, is written for verbal Delivery, Like a lot of the letters of the New Testament, they were, uh, people heard them generally. I mean, sometimes they were, read, they were read out loud in synagogues. Sometimes people did read them, but a lot of times people heard them. And it's interesting when we uh, look at the chapter and the little bit that we're going to focus on, um, all these examples of people, they start with, by faith, this person did this. By faith, this person did that. By faith, by faith. 14 times this comes up in chapter 11. And so I think it'd be an interesting exercise to have someone read you, I'm not going to today, but have someone read uh, chapters 11 to you and just to pick out those times by faith, by faith, and, and see how uh, you're hearing it uh, might add to your understanding of the chapter. I think it'd be a very interesting thing to do. Um, this book is written to a people in need of faith for the journey. And uh, this brings to true uh, uh, in that time and today. Of course, we have persecution today. Uh, we, people are discouraged. People have their faith wavering for various reasons. And so this comes as a word of exhortation or encouragement to people whose faith, whose confidence is wavering. In Hebrews 13, the author of the book encourages his readers slash listeners to bear with this word this word of encouragement. So if someone needs encouragement, there must be a need for encouragement for a particular reason. So again, this, uh, the author of this book is encouraging people to persevere, to expect persecution. This is part of the faith journey. 
Uh, this book also gra uh, grapples with the um, idea of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and, and figuring that out, which is a lot of what the New Testament is. It's trying to grapple with who is this Jesus person? And, and he's, um, he came, and when he taught, and he died, and he rose again, and we're part of this body now, and how do we walk this out? Um, and, and so it's, there's a lot of kind of wrestling with that. Paul does that. This book here calls Jesus the high priest who offered uh, up his body as the ultimate sacrifice. Now, some of you uh, may be familiar with the Old Testament and the sacrificial system. Priests would offer sacrifices for the people uh, for their sins. Uh, for, there was different types of sacrifices at different times for different reasons. Jesus comes. He is the ultimate high priest who offers himself as the ultimate sacrifice, the one sacrifice for all sacrifices, to end all sacrifices, starting... Uh, uh, the pioneer perfecter of faith, it says in Hebrews 12. Um, so this book is addressed to people, all scholars believe, Jewish Christians or people that have a deep knowledge of the scriptures, especially the Old Testament. Um, but granted, there is not uh, a consensus on the exact audience or the date of it was written or who wrote it. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not important to ask those questions, but uh, there's not a, uh, a total consensus as of now. But what we can discern, it, again, it is a people that uh, post-resurrection that is receiving this message that um, are being persecuted and their confidence in their faith is wavering. Um, let's look at Hebrews 10, 32 to, uh, not 25, 35 rather, um, and this it's not a passage today, but give us a little bit of background. It says, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. We talked about light in our music today. Gordy was talking about light. Yes, received the light when you had endured in a great conflict full of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and lasting possessions. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. So this is uh, uh, the author speaking to uh, the people. You can imagine this being read out. So remember those earlier days. Yes, you've gone through... Uh, uh, stuff like this before, persecution like this before, you've endured. It's calling these people to continue to endure. So with that, let us read the uh, text for today, which is Hebrews 11, 29 to chapter 12, verse 2. I'm just going to grab a drink here. So verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea, as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. Of course, the people talk about here are uh, the Israelites in Exodus. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched round them for seven days. The Israelite army. 
By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Rahab was in Jericho, and she helped Israel take that city. And what shall I say more? I do not have time to talk about Gideon, or tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, but David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith, who through faith rather, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning, they're sawn in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and ill-treated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised, since God, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy that was set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as pilgrims on the journey of faith towards the heavenly city, faith is the necessary and the appropriate commitment for the pilgrim people of God. A faith built on receiving the light. This is what uh, the people in the example we've read are defined as having and what is shown through their actions. Scholars say that when we um, hope for, what we hope for is that those things that are divinely promised to those who believe, those better and lasting possessions, such as, of course, having a relationship with God through Jesus, the gifts of the Spirit, all the inheritance promised to the sons and daughters of the Most High God. But this faith was more than simply a feeling. Actions followed these people in their faith. So, let's look at verse... Oh, went back too far. Verse 29. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea. Now, this... Uh, I wrestled with this uh, for a little bit, and I still don't have it completely in my head, all the kind of nuance of this meaning. Because when I read the story of the Israelites, when they came to the Red Sea, they came to this vast body of water. They were fleeing Egypt. So they see this uh, vast body of water, and they've got Pharaoh and I don't know how many chariots on them. So they're between water and chariots, a rock and a hard place. Um, and their reaction wasn't exactly what I would term faithful, if anyone remembers that story. 
Exodus 14 says they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us here to die? (laughs) It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die. So not exactly um, a faith-filled reaction, or so it seems. Yet the Hebrew author here sees the action of them walking through the Red Sea as a faithful one. Now, perhaps there's the faithful action despite a fearful attitude. Perhaps the author uh, sees Moses' faith as well in view because he stretched out his hand. God asked him to stretch out his hand and the waters uh, parted, allowing these fearful people to walk through. His faith contrasted with the Israelites' fearful reaction, the faith of one allowing for the multitude to cross over. And there's uh, precedent for this kind of thing in the Old Testament, the faith of a few saving many. Uh, In Genesis 18, Abraham advocates uh, for Sodom and Gomorrah. He asked God to spare the city if God could find ten righteous people in it. God was agreeable to that, uh, apparently. Um, So, there you go. Um, Again, I'm still wrestling with that uh, verse, but uh, I offer up those thoughts to you. Verse 30. Because of faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Now, if anyone knows the story of Jericho, uh, the Israelites marched around it for, I believe, seven days with flutes and musical instruments. Um, every time I read this story, I got to think of the Israelite army and a guy strapped with a sword and a shield, and I got to think, he's got to question this. Uh, like, this is, I'm going to take uh, Jericho with a bassoon? You know, um, it seems a little odd, or at first read, it does. Um, but getting into it a bit more, um, I, think, I believe it was, the, of course it was by faith. It wasn't because the flutes hit a certain resonance and then it was perfectly matched with this resonance of the wall and it allowed the wall to crumble. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of this kind of thing. but um, Of course it was through get, uh, faith. They were trusting God, had told them to do this, and that their victory was not in the strength of their sword or the pull of their bow, Right? And if we go back into the book of Joshua a little bit, the Old Testament leader Joshua, who who came after Moses, took on the mantle of leading the Israelites into taking Jericho. And we see that the faith of the Israelites in God's power, working through Joshua, was indicated. And in Joshua chapter 1, we see the Israelites saying to Joshua that whatever you have commanded us to do, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Be strong and courageous. So these are people that had seen a thing or two about God acting uh, since they've been out of Egypt, through the Red Sea, in the desert, in the mountain. They had seen, they had heard stories, they had seen examples, they had experience and faith with God working and saving them, and I think this is what is in play here. They realized that God was with Moses in a mighty way, 
I mean, to be able to stretch your hand out and part water, it's pretty intense, right? Um, so they prayed and they expected Joshua to act under the same kind of power. And so when they, Joshua told them, get out your flutes, get out your drums, they picked them up and they marched around. Verse 31, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, uh, because she welcomed spies, was not killed. So she says to the spies in Joshua that she knew that the Lord had given the land to the Israelites, that great fear had fallen over the whole city of Jericho. They had heard about the Red Sea escape. They had heard about various other battles that the Lord had given victory uh, to Israel in. So the Amplified Version says that she received the spies in peace without enmity. Rahab is mentioned in Matthew's genealogy as in the ancestral line of Jesus. So in, in welcoming the Israelite spies, she risked her own life asking for pardon, confessing the Israelites' God as Lord and God over all. This faithful declaration. And she believed this action would save her. So she showed her faith by her deeds by welcoming the spies. And then it goes on. And what shall I say more? I do not have time to talk about Gideon and Barak and Samson and on and on and on. And it lists, we've, we've heard um, and read people doing great things. And also a lot about faithful people being mocked or beaten, tortured, killed. It's not an easy journey. There's hardship. Um, I read a commentary by a theologian named Tom, Tom Wright, and I think what he offers about this section, about the hardship, about people uh, enduring great persecution and torture here is helpful for us. He says, since the present passage offers a long catalog of people who faced terrifying situations, and in many cases were persecuted to within an inch of their lives, or they lost their life, it raises questions. Why should it be like this? What's wrong? Why, if God was out of work in the lives of Gideon, Barak, etc., 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 and those who were stoned or sawn in two, why, if God is calling them and was with them, did they have to go through that? He goes on to say that it is important to begin that there is never a full or ultimately correct answer to the question why in such circumstances. He suggests that if you could analyze the situation in each case and explain why, you would make things seem not so bad. And part of the point here is that they were bad. They were very bad for those involved. You can't somehow draw the sting of torture and murder by locating them loftily on some scale of higher invisible purpose. And here we come to his point. The fact that they suffered such things and that they demonstrated that the world wasn't worthy of them was a sign both that they believed that God was making a new world in which everything would be better and that this belief was in fact true. They were out of tune with their times because they were living by faith in God's future world where society all around them was living as though the present was all there ever was or will be. And God was giving them strength to live like that 
proving the truth of their claim. They were in their own lives and sufferings living beacons of hope, pointers to the fact that the God who made the world was intending to remake it and that they were the advanced guard of that great movement. Verse 39. It says here, there were these faithful ancients, the advanced guard, these people that believed that God was making a new world, were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Now, uh, scholars say what had been promised here refers to Christ's coming in the flesh, his accomplishing his work of our redemption, him being the high priest offering himself as the perfect sacrifice, the beginning of the remaking. Tom Wright goes on to say, their faith shines all the more brightly when we realize that they carried on throughout their lives without seeing the story come to its proper conclusion because it only came true in Jesus the Messiah and in the community that formed around him of which we are a part, people who are believers. The fellowship, the Christian community of those who follow Jesus established the true beginnings of the world God intends to make. The world that is to be, the world in which justice and right will triumph. We pray for God's kingdom to come and it's here, but it's not fully realized. You might have heard the the phrase kind of living in the already but not yet. The, the kingdom is here, but there, are, there is still suffering in this world. Again, the church, those who follow Jesus, establish the true beginnings of the world God intends to make, the world that is to be when Jesus returns and the heavens and earth are remade. Until then, we, the body, by faith run the race of faith, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author, the perfecter, the pioneer of faith. Now, scholars say Jesus' role as pioneer here, verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of faith, um, talks about his humanity that he shares with his brothers and sisters. He went through persecution and set the example about how we are to endure it and has gone ahead and sits at the right hand of God. So we are to fix our eyes on him, running with perseverance, with grit, with resolution, with determination towards him. And he did it for joy. Now, I like the way the message puts this. Um, The message says, he did it for the exhilarating finish in and with God. And because of that, he could put up with anything in his way. Now, I'd like to give you an example of someone who did put up with something that came his way in an actual race. You might, uh, some of you might remember the 2004 Summer Olympics and the marathon. It was in in Athens and it happened on August 29th. And this gentleman here, Vanderlei Codero de Lima, he was attempting to become the first Brazilian to win an Olympic gold medal in the marathon. So he was doing well. Um, uh, he was leading at the 35-kilometer mark. Uh, he held a lead about, uh, uh, about uh, 25 seconds or so. But at that 35-kilometer mark, he was uh, grabbed by a spectator. You can see in the garb there, his name is Neil Horan. 
an Irish priest who was later uh, defrocked or essentially uh, kicked out of the priesthood. He had previously disrupted the 2003 Formula One Grand Prix in Britain by running onto the racetrack. Okay. You can see in the, uh, he had an agenda, uh, I'm not sure exactly what it was, but in the third picture, or one on the right, it says Israel fulfillment prophecy, prophecy says the Bible. Um, so you can see also a Greek spectator uh, in the, I guess, blue-gray t-shirt. Uh, they're trying to help uh, the Brazilian runner. So um, he did get the, um, this gentleman off of the Brazilian runner, but at that point, the damage had been done. For, um, for uh, De Lima, um, he only had a few kilometers to go, but those last few kilometers were like the grouse grind to him, I think. He lost about 15 to 20 seconds. He was passed by two people, an Italian and an American, and he finished in third, winning the bronze medal. Now, the Brazilian Athletic Confederation launched an appeal on behalf of De Lima, asking uh, the uh, IOC uh, to give him the gold medal. Uh, the appeal was rejected, though at the closing of the event, the International Olympic Community awarded De Lima the Pierre de Coubertin medal. This is the medal for the spirit of sportsmanship. And De Lima was also named Brazilian Athlete of the Year, 2004. And this was the first time this award had been given to somebody uh, by online popular vote. So this is an example of perseverance, someone keeping going uh, despite obstacles. And of course, in this race, runners are competing against one another. And the race that we are part of, the race of faith, um, we, what matters most to each that uh, teach runner is, or should be, that every runner makes it to the, uh, the finish line. Um, Tom Wright says that Hebrews is aware that the readers are in danger of becoming weary with all they're facing, with the obstacles that come that knock them off the path day after day. They must continue and they must remind themselves continually of the one who blazed the trail for them. This way they will become, uh, kept from becoming worn out completely. So reminding yourself of truth is a helpful way to keep going in faith and in patience. But what are some other ways that can help us to run this race that we're on? How can we sustain our faith? Well, here are a few suggestions. Get rid of heavy weights that slow us down, such as nagging sin, uh, resentments, greed, other obstacles that are in your path. Remember that the race is a long haul. It requires patience. Thomas Long says that the goal of the race for Jesus was not only a seat at the right hand of the throne of God, but for the joy of bringing other runners with him, bringing many children to glory, crossing the finish line saying, here I am and here are the children God has given me. Keep yourself fixed on the finishing line and the one who waits to greet us, Jesus. Douglas Webster says, as we are encouraged to fix our eyes on Jesus, this fixing implies a definite looking away from something and then focusing fixedly like a marksman eyeing a target. 
That's what we need to do, he says, focusing on Jesus like a marksman eyes a target with a scope. And I also would say we need each other on this journey to help us sustain. We need encouragement. We need people to help us uh, remove obstacles in our path and encourage us to keep on running towards the finish line. Encourage people. Let yourself be encouraged. I think that's one for me. Yeah, you, we're not alone in this. Yeah. We have suffered persecution. We are not alone in it, not now and not in history. So let's look at Hebrews 10. I can. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, most holy place referencing uh, the, uh, the tabernacle, and there was an area that was called the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. Since we have a great priest, Jesus, over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly like a marksman, focused on the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love, towards good deeds, not giving up in meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, when he returns, when the world is fully remade, when the heavens come down, uh, and the heavens and the earth are one. Thank you, Father. So, let us sustain our faith by drawing near to God, God who is almighty, God who is merciful, abundant and loving. Let us sustain our faith by meeting together. Let's walk together. It is not a solitary journey. Let us sustain our faith by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. Let us sustain our faith by ridding ourselves of those nagging things that can weigh us down. Let us sustain our faith by realizing that obstacles are part of the journey. They will come up. And that doesn't mean that we've messed up, that we're on the wrong path. Persevere through them. Let us sustain our faith by encouraging one another and helping each other in our perseverance. And let us sustain our faith by remembering we will be richly rewarded as we hope in and hold on to the promises of God, the friendship of Jesus, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Through all the trials, through all tribulations, as we wait eagerly by faith, as the Hebrews and the people that heard this letter did, we wait for the return of the one who paid the price for us, pioneered the way and the one who perfectly persevered. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that you've paved the way for us. Thank you, Father, for the gift of each other to help um, 
for the strength that each other gives us to, to uh, continue on this journey of faith. Help us to persevere. We think of many parts of the world where people are being severely persecuted in, in ways we can't imagine through torture, through death. God, um, we lift them up to you, God, as we best we can from here. We intercede for them. We ask, Lord, for their protection and for your strength and for even uh, supernatural delivery, God. Yes. When we think of um, persecution that we endure here, perhaps not uh, in the same way, God, but help us to recognize it when it does come, that we might not condemn ourselves when we encounter it. Help us to hear a, a word from someone, a, a hug, a phone call. Help us to remember that um, you um, paved the way, God, and we thank you for that sacrifice. Amen. Thank you, Neil.